Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This is comedian and actor Keith Lyle. You're listening to Jim and Florence on the forum. Hi, everyone. This is Jim Jackson. Welcome to the forum with my co-host, Florence Carmella. How are you, Florence? I'm doing great, Jim. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And the fervor with our next guest, it she is a special pl- person. She holds a special place in my heart. I fell in love with these people on Yukon Men in the Alaskan wilderness. Just an amazing lifestyle and Athabascan uh, lifestyle. We wanted to talk to her. I wanted to bring her on. And Stan, we had him on Stan's Array, and people were so appreciative. So I said, I got to get Courtney on. So without further ado, why don't you introduce this amazing guest? I would love to. She is a wonderful woman. We've actually been tweeting to each other on, on Twitter, and I think UConn Men was one of the one of the best realities. And we have with us today Courtney Agnes from UConn Men. How are you, Courtney? Good. How are you guys? We are great. As good as could be. I'm excited to talk to you. We've we've talked a lot off the air, but let's talk. Has it amazed you? Because I told you off the air, literally the article I did on you, the two-part article, which we're going to re-release. I really released it today. So please check on my Twitter, Jim Jacks Media, and we'll do it on Monday as well. Has it surprised you that people just can't get enough of this show and of you guys? And how do you feel when, when you hear that people are still interested in you? Oh, man, it's it's been pretty crazy, the, um, you know, the following, the fan crowd that I've tried to interact with and, you know, inform people about our life in Tanana. But to see, like, two years after the show has been done, you know, people are still interested in following us. And that's, for me, that's kind of really cool because, you know, I'm, I live in an isolated village and it's kind of neat to see everybody still interested in how we're doing and what we're doing and what's going on. That's fantastic. Now, I wanted to give a huge shout out to my brother in, in spirit, your dad, Pat, because he's a big Raider fan. So I'm giving a quick Go Raider <laughs> shout out to him selfishly. Uh, and uh, I hope he's doing good. Talk about Archie, your family, your kids, before we get into what we want to ta- talk about in, in regards to your life in Alaska. How's your mom? How's your dad? How's your how's your family? How's everyone doing? We're all relatively really good. You know, my mom's health has been really like a yo-yo up and down. She was living in Anchorage in an assisted living home. That didn't really work out with her, unfortunately. And we found that she was able to move home to the assisted living home here in Tanana. So she's here and we get to see her all the time. My girls get to see her all the time. And my dad's really good. He's busy with getting the our fish camp ready. He wants to move the dogs down and start living down there and he's really excited about that he was actually just here having coffee and the girls are good school just got out yesterday so oh my gosh I mean the girls came home from school yesterday and then they were already off running around town and (laughs) visiting everybody and just just being wild and 
my oldest is, is 10 years old, so we got her a cell phone. And one of my biggest things is, you got to check in, you got to check in. I got to know where you are, what you're doing. So she just called like half an hour ago and she said, Mom, I'm down at Auntie Cynthia. Is this a good check-in? And I'm, am I okay? <laughs> Aww. So I was like, yeah, this is good. We've been busy getting ready for summer. Archie's home now. He works a two-week schedule, two weeks up north at work and two weeks home with us. So he's on his two weeks off now. Oh, fantastic. And we're good. We're getting ready to go on a camping trip right now. We're going to go pack up the girls, pack up some food, and we're going to go camp out on a sandbar tonight. So we're really oh. excited. Oh, nice. How That's exciting. Great. Now, tell us, especially Alaska has just become a fascination of the United States, the, the television audience. Now there's a million shows where Yukon Man, when it first came on, there weren't a lot of Alaskan shows. Now it's like everyone's into Alaska. Talk to us about, I believe you started doing sled races as a little girl at four. What was it like growing up in Alaska? Because it's so different from everywhere else. I mean, in America, either young people live in malls or they're at home playing video games all day. And an Alaska kid, you come home and the first thing you want to do is go outside. There's just so much adventure, so much things to go on. Tell us about your life growing up in Alaska and what was it like? Back when I was growing up, you know, we had one single TV in the house and it was, I want to say one channel when I was little, really little, but we were always playing out. We were always inventing games. We were, I mean, I was climbing trees since I was three years old and we didn't have games. We didn't have iPads. We didn't have anything until we were a lot older. And so my mom and dad brought me home four days old from Fairbanks to the fish camp. You know, I went straight to fish camp and we had sled dogs and we had, we were always fishing. You know, I we grew up and I was always, we were always working, always doing something, whether it was planting a garden, driving dog, cutting fish, hauling water. We didn't have running water back then either. So we were always hauling water and we had endless chores. And my, so funny, my 10 year old daughter was telling me the last winter, she said, you didn't have chores. You, d- you never had chores. And I stopped and I said, child, you don't even know what chores are. <laughs> You know, because we had so many responsibilities for when we were little, you know, that we always had to help. And, you know, to this day, she complains that she's the only kid in town that has to do chores. And I'm like, hello, you live here too. Why do I have to, why am I responsible for your mess? Why am I responsible for cleaning up after you and taking care of you and feeding you and clothing you and all this junk? And she tries to give me attitude. And I'm like, well, I can have your phone back. That's fine. Wow. Imagine that. The mom in control of the family. Wow. I wish you could. <laughs> we have kids. What am I supposed to do? Tell them no? Yes. <laughs> so that. Yeah. Um, now, the one, one story for those of you that didn't read my article, first of all, shame on you for not reading Jim Jack's article. <laughs> but for, exactly. for those that didn't, tell us. The story is still being talked about online. Tell us the famous story about you and your brother on the beach, what you found and the dangers that lurked beyond. Oh my gosh. So in the summers, my mom, my mom worked constantly throughout our life. You know, she supported the family. Dad always took care of the dog. Dad was a stay-at-home dad with me. So we had a lot of fun together. But when we got kind of older, when I was about, I want to say 10 and Thomas is four years older than me. He was 14. So we were left alone at camp. It's, it's just right down, I mean, not even a mile away from work from them, you know. And we had to get up and water dogs. You know, it was our responsibility to take care of the dogs in the morning. We'd get up and eat and 
water dogs. And so we were left to our own devices. We didn't have cell phones or games or anything to do. So we always just found something to do and played and have fun. I mean, the runway is right there. So as, as kids, we grew up playing baseball on the runway and kick the cans and Annie Annie over. And we'd play tag in the smokehouse, like climbing around like in the smokehouse like monkeys. <laughs> and so... Thomas and I got up and we did our daily thing and we were watering dogs and we were done and we were sitting there and we we're like, well, what do we do now? And he was like, hey, dad had this parachute at the, found this parachute at the dump. And I was like, okay. I didn't know what the heck was going on. And I was followed with whatever he did because he's always bigger and I was a tiny kid and he would have beat me up if I didn't listen, you know? <laughs> and... <laughs> So he said, let's let's try this out because it was kind of a windy day. And I was like, okay. And we go out to the runway and he said, hold it. He strapped himself in. I don't know what he was thinking. You know, I didn't think about it. I was too young. And so I, he said, hold this end up. So we threw, I threw the end up and it didn't really, it raised up in the air, but it didn't take off. And I don't know what he was thinking, like if he actually took off. And I was just like, okay, I just did what he told me to do. And it didn't really work. So he said, we need to go down the bank. And I said, okay. So we packed it up and he walked down the bank and he said, oh yeah, this is going to be good. And he said, okay, lift it up again. We got it all stretched out and I lifted it up again. And the freaking wind caught that parachute and he just went, <laughs> and I was standing there. My eyes went so big and I was like, oh no. And <laughs> He didn't take off in the air, but he like, he, I swear it pulled him at least five feet up in the air and he landed and he just got drugged at least a half a mile up the river on oh the rocks over the mud. Oh and he was like yelling at me, sis, as he was <laughs> drugged over the, the rocks. <laughs> and it hit me and I couldn't stop laughing and I was running my hardest I was tiny I was a really tiny kid and I was running as hard as I could and I remember I ran about a quarter of a mile and I was still trying to get him and I slipped in the mud and I had I was on all fours and I was trying to get up oh. and I kept slipping and I was laughing so hard I couldn't even get up <laughs> the things <laughs> we had a parachute once and we we did it and i that's why this story is so funny to me because i remember our friend robert was on it and we could not stop him and we actually did this at our sixth grade and it was so we could not stop laughing because it looked like he was going to go for miles and there was nothing we could do and we just and gosh it, he probably got beat up pretty good. Yeah, he was pretty bruised up. He got he actually got caught on a, a log, you know, hung on to it till I got there to release him. <laughs> What'd your parents say? <laughs> What'd your parents uh, I don't think they even knew until a couple years later. You know, we never told them that kind of stuff. <laughs> Heck, having bruises on you in Alaska, no problem. Cuts and bruises, cuts yeah. and problems. Let's talk about you as a teenager. How was it to date and just to meet people, one, being in Alaska, and two, with so few people? I was always so socially awkward. I didn't really, it wasn't my thing to be the cool one. I wasn't the, the popular girl. I was the nerd. You know, everybody cheated off my homework and <laughs> stuff like that. And, I mean, I had a boy haircut because till I was in seventh grade because my mom couldn't stand dealing with my hair. I'd say I was the late bloomer. You know, I didn't have any looks until I was like in my 20s. I, but um, I, I don't know. I didn't really date until I was 18. 
I didn't care to. I had like boyfriends in basketball, but they weren't anything serious. We always just hung out on basketball trips, but nothing more. But yeah, you know, Tannen is so small. There was only maybe 300 people that lived here back then. And there's like anywhere from 150 to 200 now. You're related to almost everybody here. So you have to look elsewhere to to date or anything. But I was I was always the nerd. I didn't really care to to be popular or accepted or whatever you want to call it. You know the social norms. Talk about your dog sledding, your racing, and your dogs. You and your father have been a really big person in your father's life, where you've helped out so much the dogs. Talk about your dogs and what they mean to you, and what you exactly do in the uh, racing field. Okay, um, that's a oh my gosh, I I can talk for days on this. <laughs> you know we've had my dad had dogs since 1974 and he used them recreationally for trap blind dogs Mm -hmm. and then as he you know got um I would say more rooted here um you know he moved here when he was in high school and has stayed here ever since um he kind of cultivated sled dogs you know where he started racing them and my dad has had dogs since before I was born so growing up I was always playing in the puppy pen with the puppies and walking them and crawling in their dog boxes and just hanging out and playing with them and I knew all the dogs I knew where they went who their sisters was who their brothers were and as time went on you know we started driving dogs I've been racing dogs ever since I was three years old. Tannen is a really uh, dog mushing community. So we have races all throughout the winter year. So they've just been a really huge part of my life. And as I got older, uh, I moved home to help dad with the dogs. We have a kennel anywhere from 30 to 45 dogs. That's, you know, our comfort zone of what we can take care of and work with. And as the years have progressed, I moved home in my... 20s when I got sick of college and I just wanted to do something else and I started racing competitively across the state with with our dogs we've had a kennel of 30 to 50 dogs ever since I was born you know and so it was a lot of fun at that time because I never really knew how to race competitively other than you know with kids races you know I never had to structure a team myself and I never had to figure out how they work together and how they work um with me and so I spent my 20s learning about dogs which is kind of really cool because as the years progressed I got more and more patient and I figured out how to work with them and they really prepared me to be a mother it was pretty cool I was excited Mm -hmm. about that um because what, what what amazed me, Courtney, if I can interrupt you, is the personality differences in each dog. That's one thing that I didn't really understand that much, but they really are different. Yeah, I always said that I equate dog musher and the dog team to a teacher with a student in the classroom. The dogs, each individual dog is as different as each student in the classroom. Mm-hmm. You know, I've taught beating classes across the state and you know, everybody's different. Every child's different. And every dog has their own little quirks. It's so fun to get to know each of them, you know. And what one of the greatest things that I really like to do, my dad will buy a dog or he'll get a dog from somewhere and it's super, super scared and skittish. Hmm. And the type that a person that I am, I will like look at the dog and I'm like, you're gonna love me. You know, I'm going to make you love me. <laughs> and and it's, it's super funny, but there's 
this dog that we just got um, a couple weeks ago from from somebody, my dad, you know, my dad's in wheeling and dealing and getting dogs and sure. doing this. And so the, my dad pulls this dog in the crate off the airplane and he opens the crate and the dog has a collar and a chain on it. And he wraps the chain, but it slips the collar and it like runs away. It's gone. Oh, no. Like gone. Yeah, he has this guy that's helping him, and he's like, he comes over the house to borrow the four wheelers to try to catch it, and he and that he said that dog went out onto the river when there was still ice and stuff, and he said, oh yeah, that dog like ran away, it's gone forever, and I was like, oh crap, so I put it on Facebook, and everybody's like keeping an keeping an eye out for this dog, and then somebody calls and he says, hey, your dog's running up the river, so I hop on the snow machine, and I run out and I chase it at least two miles and he is wicked fast wicked fast and he's super skittish so I catch him because we get into some deep snow I catch him and I sit there with him and I just talk to him and pet him and and then I bring him home and we put a collar on him we tie him up and we feed him and then the next day I get this call from um this guy that helps dad with with dog like getting dogs he calls and he checks on the dog because he knew that he, let, he ran away. And I said, oh, no, I caught him, yeah. But I walk out to water the, the dogs the next day, and the dog is gone. He oh. slipped his collar again. Yeah. And I wow. said, oh, well, I caught him, but he's gone again. So I was like, crap, okay. So I get the dog water ready, and I'm, I bring the buckets out to the dog yard. And he's sitting in his dog yard, in his little, his area. Oh, wow. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, Okay. <laughs> you know looking at him I'm like okay I see you and then um he, I walk over to him but then he runs away you know he's a really skittish guy so I go to the next dog and I'm talking to him and petting him and that guy he comes straight towards me and he's like pet me please pet me and I was like okay so I grab him he's gotten loose five times since wow. that first time that I recaught him mm-hmm. and so we we um put two collars on him and we figured it out but every time I go out in the dog yard now I'm like I always listen to music when I water dogs and I sing at the top top of my lungs like a loon and he gets <laughs> so excited to see me he's like you'd never Aww. think he was a scared dog Aww, so I'm like hey you love me now <laughs> you know it's super funny. dogs are so cool and and uh, love dogs. Alaskan uh, sled mushrooms oh my gosh they're amazing animals just very loyal great personalities and strong as oxes. Wow, they are incredible. Now, I wanted to ask you, I never asked you, we'll go off base a little bit. Dad Pat become a Raiders fan. Oh my gosh, I, I don't even know. That's a that's a that's like an in depth two hour question if you would ask <laughs> him. I don't know. <laughs> um ever since I've grown up there's always been Raider decals all over the house. And he was watching every Raiders game and we just went to Fairbanks, what, a couple months ago? Uh-huh. And we're at the DMV, and we're getting our tags, and this guy walks in with a Raiders coat, and my dad, like, gives him the nod, you know. He's their <laughs> Raiders fan nod. Yep. And he was like, Raiders fan, huh? And I was, you know, I'm just sitting there listening, you goofy guys. And he said, yeah, everybody jumped ship on the last deal that, you know, the last whatever. Night. Yeah, Khalil. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that that big old thing, and I didn't really, I don't watch sports. I don't really understand it, but I knew I knew it was a huge deal because my brother's was a Raider fan, but then he jumped ship. So, 
And my dad was like, nope, I don't jump ship, not ever, nothing, you know. And I was like, okay, you know, whatever. And so they were talking about Raiders business. I was like, you guys are too funny. It is a sickness, it, but it's fun. I remember one time this poor lady <laughs> pouring down rain. She was on the highway, and I and no one would help her. So I drove back, and because uh, I, I thought, wow, there's a, a woman with two kids. Someone's going to help her. No one would help. So I went back, and uh, I changed her tire, and she looked like the truck was kind of old, didn't look like, and I gave her $10, and she said, why are you – so nice to me. And and I looked at the, and she had this big Raiders sticker and I winked at her and said, go Raiders. And she laughed. So us Raider <laughs> fans, we stick it together. We got to, no one loves us. So we're the vagabonds, the, uh, we're the Alaska of the NFL. So, uh, we're, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> now I wanted to talk to you about, we've gotten to know Ryan a little bit. We've helped Stan out on his, uh, to make his movie. We've got a lot of things going on with that, but why don't you talk the one that really why don't you talk about the bone chilling bear story with Ryan that you shot with one shot? Why don't you talk about that story? Oh man, yeah, that was a that was a crazy time in my life, you know, cuz Carrie was just born and I was I don't even know if it's socially acceptable to say, but I was breastfeeding her, so we were having we're, some bear issues and Courtney, and, we're a pro breastfeed station here so it's okay <laughs> uh, but go ahead <laughs> go ahead so you know there's there's I always think about this when I'm out in the woods you know animals can smell you before you even you know in a mile radius and so I'm out there I know they can smell me I'm lactating and we're stalking this bear and I'm like oh and Ryan looks at me and I was like my milk just dropped, you know, because I've been away from Carrie for however long. And he was like, okay. And I was like, just give me a minute. It hurts. And so we're we're walking back there and it was, it started slightly drizzling as we we're going back there. And we're, we're, but to get back there, we have to walk through this stream. And I have this feeling like there's hair on the back of my neck. I'm like kind of freaking out, but we're, I have to pay attention to how I'm walking because I need to be quiet when you're walking through the brush and walking through the water and you have to, you know, dip your toe of your boot in sure. as you walk just to keep the noise down. And he has, he had the same feeling too, Ryan did. And he's right behind me. And I keep stopping and listening, but you can't really hear because it's raining on your hood. But I had this feeling and then he had the same feeling. So we were just kind of cautiously moving along really slowly. And then he looks and he said, Cortez, right there. Like he whispered like, as best he could. And I seen this bear <laughs> and it's like less than 20 yards away from us. And it didn't hear or smell or see us. Wow. And I pull my gun up, still doesn't hear us, but it goes behind the clump of trees and it could I couldn't see it and it's going straight towards Ryan. And so he's like panicking, he's flipping out and I'm flipping out and then it pops back out and I shoot it right in the neck and it drops. It's dead. Wow. I bet you Ryan had a and huge hug for you. <laughs> <that's amazing>. Wow. <laughs> yeah. We didn't move for like 10 minutes we were sitting there and we we're like I'm like I had another shell ahead and I'm like sitting there waiting for it to do something and I'm like we're trying to breathe and like and he's like 
finally, I'm like, is it dead? We sit there for another five minutes and then I was like, I think I need a hug, Ryan. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> he started laughing and he said, Me too. Oh. It was yeah, it was pretty crazy. It was going right towards him. Oh my god. Cause those cameramen do some amazing they are with you the whole time. They try you know I what I've liked about the the cameraman and us talking to Ryan is that Courtney, they really tried to respect and be a part of the community. They didn't just come in, we're big time TV people and you guys are little Alaska people. They really became fell in love with Alaska and uh, with the people and I really enjoyed his stories about learning about the environment and about the community and the community spirit and the Athabascan lifestyle. So why don't you tell us about just your interaction with them and, and how pleasant it was. Yeah. The, Ryan, there's, there was two of them, Ryan and Casey, they actually had um, Alaska residency, you know, after that, you know, they were, they were lived here for six years mm-hmm. with us. So I guess it, it, it would be really hard for people to come in and not understand and film us and not understand how we live and how, you know, our social economics are, how, you know, it was really hard for, I I don't know how to explain it, but it was really hard for Archie to film because he wasn't comfortable with the personal bases that some of the cameramen got close to him. So he would always back off and not want to film. And that was fine. But like Ryan and Casey actually took the time, spent the time with our families to get to know us and knew what was acceptable and what wasn't. And um, because they basically lived with us. I mean, Casey lived out at camp with us for two weeks. And it was so funny. He he was the guy that, like, we were like, there's leftovers. And he was like, leftovers? So we going <laughs> to eat it? I can't let that go to waste. So it, it was super funny because he went home to be in a wedding. Mm-hmm. And he had mm-hmm. to let out his tux. Like, oh. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Ryan said, best salmon in the world. Best salmon in the world. Yeah. Yeah, so it it was really cool to to get to know them. And that's kind of why I think a lot of the filming turned out really good was because they knew us and we knew them. And I I knew what they wanted and they knew what, you know, how to help us and direct us and and what we wanted to do. So we made it into fun. It was a lot of fun to go out and do things. And, you know, even Cuppy got out to have fun. And we made little shelters and it was super cute. We went to Hawaii and Cuppy looks at the landscape and she goes, mom, I could build a shelter here. I could live here. And I was like, okay. <laughs> oh, I bet. Really cool. Yeah. Now with, cool. with your children, now with your children and your husband, when you guys have downtime, say if you have a time in the evening or even on the weekends, what kinds of things do you guys like to do as a family? What kinds of things are your daughters into? Oh man, we do so much as a family. It's a lot of fun. Um, for right now we have, we have three litters of puppies and they're, it's so cute. Their responsibilities, the girls' responsibilities is to, to acclimate the pups, to, to play with the puppies. I mean, who doesn't want to play with fat little puppies? Yeah. How fun. That's my dream. That's my dream. (laughs) (laughs) It is my dream. He knows that. Uh, 10 minutes before I called you guys. Guess I was out there feeding the puppies, playing with them, you know. Oh. And they're so fat and funny, and it's, it's so cute. Sounds um, amazing. And, um, my girls do everything with us. We do everything. Um, we go boating. We go fishing. We go hiking. We go four wheeling. Um, 
Cuppy's 10 and she's starting to learn to cut fish and she's she, I think she's ready to go hunting and you know just doing cute little stuff but tonight you know it's school is out we don't have to go to school anymore and the river's clear of ice so we went out last night to the sandbar to play wow. and tonight we we're gonna we're gonna go camping on the sandbar so they have little mini four-wheelers that we're gonna throw in the boat and go to the wow. sand dunes and that's amazing it sounds so picturesque like it sounds so beautiful like it's such a beautiful existence i wish yeah I could do that. <laughs> it's, it's a, you know we lived in fairbanks and all we were doing when we lived in fairbanks fairbanks is a city of like um over 50,000 and what all we were trying to do there was to pack up to get out of town <laughs> and here wow you know here all we have to, we we spend all we do is spend money on gas to get, to have fun you know we just throw some yeah. some food in a, in a cooler and go and play summertime my girls I'm all winter my girls have been saying I can't wait till summertime we can go and swim we can go and do this and a typical summer weekend if we're not fishing we're out at the sandbar and they're swimming all day I mean it stays light out they swim all night you know we don't have to get up and do anything in the morning and so we just swim and the only requirement you know is sometimes I'm like we need to get out of town I'll grab a boatload of kids like half of them are my nieces and nephews and they bring their friends their their requirements, you know, I have rules, is don't leave trash in my boat or on the sandbar. You you pick up after mm-hmm. yourself. And they have to get their own firewood. You know, I'll bring food wow. and hot dogs and s'mores, but they have to get their own wood to build a fire. Wow. So you're teaching wow. them, basically yeah. teaching them how to take care of themselves, which is really important. You Alaska yeah. moms are tough. Wow. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, no, it's I'm good, though. <laughs> I'm the meanie goat, you know, my nephew, Trevor, he's 14. He brought one of his friends who is the same age. And I kept telling them, I said, hey, you guys, you need to pick up your trash. You need to pick up your trash. And they said, we will, we will. But they didn't pick up their trash. There was Pepsi. Those two boys brought Pepsi Pepsi cans. We don't drink Pepsi. Mm-hmm. And so I, the next time that they we went out swimming, they tried to, to come. And I said, I'm sorry, you didn't clean up your trash. You can't come with us. And they threw a big fit. But, you know, rules are rules. Wow. And, and Trevor, my nephew Trevor said, my auntie told you, you know, pick up your trash and you didn't listen. Yep, see, so you're teaching so... them to take responsibility. Wow, imagine yeah. that. Fantastic, Courtney. Yeah. That's why we like you. Now, Courtney, when I did the articles, I did get some hate. I have to admit, I, some publications came after me about supporting the show and not a lot, but some publications came after me. Why don't you explain, and most of us get it, why don't you explain the Athabascan lifestyle, what the environment, uh, hunting, all that means to you and why it's so important to keep that spirit alive in the next generation? Um, One of the huge things for me is like, I kind of try to live a, um, organic life I would say I don't buy a lot of processed foods I try not to get too much junk food you know for my kids and hunting and subsisting for us is vital because the the salmon and the moose that we kill and eat is organic it's it's healthy it's not processed it doesn't have antibiotics it doesn't have steroids you know built into it pumped into it and that's 
huge for me because I feel like there's a lot of um, factors in American and, you know, people's lives that adversely affect their health. And as for our dogs, you know, for, for me, having a dog team, they, they keep me healthy. You know, I keep active, I keep doing stuff. And it's a, it's a way for me to teach my children responsibility for themselves and for other things and respect. Respect is huge for me. You know, um, in the Athabascan culture, respect is vital. And, you know, new, nowadays, you don't see a lot of kids that respect their elders, that respect yeah. anybody. True. Um, and that's, that's like a huge thing for me is my, I, I taught my children, I said, you don't interrupt when people are talking. You don't see a lot of that anymore. And it's kind of a crazy thing, you know, with, with the show, we get a lot of, um, uh, a lot of people that really think we, um, or that say it, they they feel like we abuse our dogs, that we don't feed them. And for one, like my take on it is like, I've never seen an obese or overweight athlete unless that's like, like a sumo wrestler, you know, that's <laughs> what yep. they do. You know, yeah, I've never true. seen an Olympic runner that has been, had more than t- 10% body fat, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, I, I I can tell you the amount of fat that we put in their diet, the vitamins, the supplements that we, the thousands of dollars that we spend on them, and they still think that we abuse and don't take care of our dogs. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. one thing that I've always fought, and that I just you know you can't really change internet bullies' minds. You know they're sitting behind the com- computer screen and they can judge you, and that's fine. I'm not gonna spend my entire life trying to change their mind I will just live my life and I will do what I do and if they don't agree with that then I don't know what to tell them I think what I true yeah I have a little Indian in me and I think the one thing that I was taught by my grandparents and everything is that I don't hunt but I do respect the fact that people do hunt they don't go, it's not like you guys are killing animals and, and doing selfies with your foot on top of its head or anything, or bragging how, how you killed this and you killed that. You guys use this for your lifestyle to, to feed your families, to, to clothe yourself, to keep yourself warm. It's not something out of trophy. It's something out of necessity, but you respect the animal, you respect the land and you respect the environment. Why don't you talk about that as well? Yeah, that you know, one of the things that I feel down to my soul when I'm out in the, in the um this area, you know, I am from here. I belong here. You know, I this land doesn't belong to me. I belong to it. That's how my connection to this area. You know, people were saying on Yukon men were trying to tell me that I was a pioneer woman, and I I really didn't. I said I don't agree with that. I just don't. I don't feel that. And they were like, why you are? I said, no, because I come from here. I'm, you know, I belong to this land. My ancestors are from here. That's not a pioneer woman. A pioneer woman is somebody who goes out to an area and acclimates and lives and does that. But whereas an Athabascan person, I feel like we've coexisted and understand the language, the area, the vibes, you know, um, of the animals, of the land, of the river. And 
for one thing my aunt had always talked about was everything has a spirit and I think people remember on the show when when my one of our best friend George died you know the river spirit it took him you know and you have to respect that and you have to know the boundaries you have to understand that and so um that that's one huge thing that I've been trying to teach the girls is is in everything is you know and that's a vital tool that I use the dogs for is like you have to treat everybody and everything as you wish to be treated yourself and so you know it's been an important training tool for me with puppy because she's she's just on the go all the time happy go lucky and um she rarely stops to think about her actions or consequences and this last year it kind of it kind of really she was driving dogs with her best friend Bitsy they're about the same age and she started accepting responsibility and it was so cool to watch her grow and learn that on her own so now she's been watering dogs with me every day and taking care of the dogs and the, the, the three litters that we have out here they had um they the girls had already claimed them and so <laughs> I went to Fairbanks the other day to pick up my husband mm-hmm. and I said Cuppy you have to water dogs when I'm gone you and Bitsy have to water dogs I'll pay you guys and they they did it they watered 45 dogs by themselves and they wow. had fun and they just you nice. know they loved it that's fantastic because I think what I I think what Alaska a lot of times in those environments is that the kids grow up a little mature a little bit quicker because you find out that in the olden days, you know, there was a responsibility for kids. You were, even though you were doing a small amount of work or you were, you were still an important part of the family and you still had a responsibility for the family. And I think that's what I loved on the show and shout out to Cuppy and Carrie and Archie. And uh, I think that's what I loved with your family is they would learn things at a young age and learn that, Hey, I do have a responsibility and I am an important part of the family, even though I might be doing something small, I'm important and I need to take responsibility for this and take it seriously. You know, it's really neat to see, like you said, the kids growing up and they start understanding their importance as a family member. Yeah. And that's a lot of things that we do as a family is we, we do things with them and we talk to them about how or what's going on. You know, their dad races snow machines competitively and I race dogs competitively. And so they have, they're exposed to a lot of different things here in Alaska. Um, a real quick story that I wanted to tell you um, about last winter, I went to Anchorage to race in the Anchorage for rendezvous. And it's a 25 mile race through downtown Anchorage across Anchorage, over overpasses, behind, in, through parks, dog parks, on the old Campbell airstrip. So it's a really grueling race. Mm-hmm. And um, that first day did really well. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there were, there was like 20-something teams in that race, and I came in excited. And I, I, the girls, and they were exposed to that, uh, you know, Cuppy was helping me on the avenue, and she was helping hook up dogs, and I was talking to her and telling her what was going on, what I expected of her and what, what I was doing and what the dogs are doing. And um, mostly I was trying to stay in tune with the dogs to see how they were feeling and how they were doing. And then the next day we had a mishap off the start and that threw the whole entire teams out of whack. And I dropped down to 13th place, I think. And Mm -hmm. 
for me, that was like really devastating, you know, because there was a lot of different factors that were against us and I was trying to keep it all together, but it, we just fell apart as a team. Um, and that that's one thing that I really take pride in as a, as a dog musher is, is, is that team isn't me. It's not about me. It's about them, you know, uh, me and them. And so I was really, really devastated that night and I was trying to get through it, think about things that I could have done differently. And my, my daughter went out to drop dogs with me because they, they stay on the, the dog truck and they have to use the bathroom. And um, we just wanted to check on them, see how they're doing and feeling. And I was really kind of depressed. And she got she climbed on the top of the dog box on the truck and she started singing Whitney Houston and I Will Always Love You. <laughs> oh. at, the top, <laughs> at the top of her lungs. And she's just going to town. <laughs> and the dogs start howling with her. And I was like, it was that that moment. I was like, okay, we're going to be okay. You know, I was like, I need to change my mood, my attitude. Because that's one thing I always tell her is like, you need to change your attitude. You know, if you're having a bad day, change your attitude. And so I was like, okay, you know, we're going to be okay. Because the dogs were like howling with her. And I was like, this is so cool. Mm -hmm. And I let her know. I said, you know, Cuppy, you're a vital member you're a vital component to this team right now because you helped all of us feel better and she was like okay that's cool and, you know she's driving around doing doing dances and making us all laugh and giggle so Sometimes that, that was a really cool aspect oh that's a great story because a lot of times during the darkest hours kids are the ones that could really bring a light to you and they're such a blessing and uh, uh cuppy has a lot they both Cuppy and Carrie have really unique personalities, really fun uh, kids. So I think you're going to really enjoy them growing up. With the last word, why don't you t- tell the fans of the show and tell the people that have followed you the show has meant to you and what their following has meant to you as well? I'd like to say that I, I'm thankful for the opportunity that it's given me and my family to enjoy ourselves, you know, bringing Alaska. It's always been a positive light. Or I want to say a lot of different things, like you know the the negative aspects of their dogs. And Alaska is sometimes really dreary and dark and cold, and it's really not. For one, it's been huge for me to be able to show my kids how to live. And I want to say there's two different aspects. For one, you know I. Cuppy was saying, I'm on a TV show. I'm on a TV show. But honey, you're still a little girl in Alaska. You know, you're still just a same old little girl, just like anybody else anywhere in the world. You're still a person. You still have rules. You still have responsibilities. You still have to respect people. And so that's been really cool. And the other thing is, I am really thankful for the experience to be able to portray our lifestyle to everybody else. And because I take that, you know, my one thing my grandma always said is I needed to learn to live off the land. And, and I didn't understand what she meant at the time. She kept telling me, you need to learn to live off the land. You need to learn how to be out there. And so I'm grateful for her advice to be able to show different people how we live and how 
what Alaska can offer to people across, you know, the world. Well, you guys definitely share something very special with everyone across the world because it, it definitely is for a lot of people, um, like we said before, it's kind of like a romantic kind of way of living. And, you know, we want to thank you for coming on and definitely really enjoyed this interview. And it was so nice meeting you and speaking with you. And this was a very special treat for us. So thank you so much, Courtney. Thank you for having me. I'm su- I was su- super excited to talk to you both. Well, what we're going to do, Courtney, is in the future, we want you to come on and we want you in the next couple of months to think of some stories because I still wanted to talk about the moose story when your family was really having a lot of things going on and you had to go out and feed the family and you got a huge moose and I'd love to talk about that and some of the other stories as well Ryan had told us some of the stories you guys had so we want to you think in the next couple months we want to have you back on and we love you we care we we just absolutely adore you Courtney I fell in love with you just like with America with your personality and your family and your mom and dad make sure you tell them we said hi and uh, again go Raiders with Pat and uh, we just appreciate (laughs) you coming on but if you will we'll have you on back on in a couple months and just tell about some of the fun stories with your family and also some of the dangerous stories because obviously Alaska, is, you have to keep your wits about you there. But I hope you come back, and we would love to go further into some of the stories that you have. Thanks for having me today, guys. I was super excited to talk to you both. All right. Take care, Courtney, and you have a great Thanks. night. Okay. Have a great day at the sand dune. Okay. See you guys. Take care. Bye-bye. That was Bye. Courtney Agnes from Yukon Man. I just really like Courtney. What a fun person. Great, great family. And that show yeah. really opened a lot of people's eyes to an amazing lifestyle, the Athabascan lifestyle, just a respect for the land, respect for people, and respect for each other. I re- uh, so I, I'm really excited about this podcast. Yes, I, I think it was wonderful. She's very sweet, and I loved hearing her stories, and I'm sure she has so many more to share. But yeah, I think it's for a lot of people, Alaska is like that faraway place that is kind of mysterious. And people don't really know that much about it. So I, I love talking to her. I think it was great. Already, I see your fantasy of me and you going to Alaska to visit. <laughs> Alaska. Me, you With and the a dog. Mound, mound of puppies and me eating king salmon. So I, I already yes. see that as your next fantasy. So uh, I, wouldn't like, I wouldn't mind that either. Uh, I, I love salmon, one of my favorite foods, and I've heard that that is the best in the world. So, um, But thank yes. you all for listening. I hope you guys enjoy this as much as we have. We're going to put out some things, some links to some of the things that Courtney was involved in with the Athabascan lifestyle. We support it fully. We support the great people of Alaska as well. And thank you all for being so supportive of Courtney. Follow her. She's a great follow. She's fun. Uh, watch her family grow and watch her and her shy but very nice husband, Archie, who's very hardworking and, and we love him too. So thank you all for today. And I'm going to have some editing to do. We'll have this out Monday morning. Thank you, Florence, for yep. another amazing performance. Great guest. Wow, this is good. Thank you, Jim. This was wonderful. So great. So thank you. Thanks, everybody, for all your support. And thanks for all the thousands of listens to our podcast. It's just every day. Yes. Kind of wow. So if we don't say thank you enough, please, we we do appreciate it. We talk about our our listeners all the time. So take care. We have a lot planned in the future. Thank you so much, and have a great weekend and a great week.